Welcome to People's Church Podcast. I have a lot of uh, pictures up there about uh, the unrest, the uh, war, the trouble that's in our world today. And um, we're all pray for peace. We all want to see peace. Um, that's the big picture. But uh, it's not a smaller picture, but it is a smaller picture when we bring that down to our own hearts. Do you have peace in your heart? And are you at peace with everyone that you can possibly be around you? In fact, that's the scripture this morning that I want to talk about. It's, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Now that's a tall order. That is a tall order. But um, as I was reading this passage of Scripture, this, this Scripture really pops out at me as I think it probably does with you. It, and and this, this Scripture anchors the whole passage that we're looking at today. Um, and I'm going to talk about it in more depth in a, in a little, in a few minutes. But I want to talk to you about actions, words, and reactions in relation to being at peace with others. And uh, the passage uh, we're going to start off with is before uh, the one I just read, if it is possible as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone else. Uh, Romans 12, 9 to 21 says this. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Love must be sincere. I heard the story about a counselor and a husband and wife had come in to see him and they, he welcomed them in, into his room and they sat down, you know, had the niceties and, uh, you know, introduction, shake hands, all that sort of thing. And then the counselor said, well, how can I help you? Um, you know, what's the problem? And the uh, woman talked, the wife talked and said, I don't like the way he breathes. <laughs> um, love must be sincere. Well, sincere, she was sincere. But, uh, wow, that's a, that would be a tough one to take right there. Uh, this, this whole paragraph that I'm going to talk about here for a moment, for a few moments, and we're going to move on, uh, is love in action. It really is. Look at all the action words and phrases in there. But some, uh, you know, other theologians that, they might say, well, yes, this is a paragraph on Christian ethics. Or, this is a, uh, a paragraph on believe like a Christian. Or, this is Christian guidelines for interpersonal relationships. And yes, it's, these are all those things. But these are not performance points. I want to make that clear right off the beginning here as we read through this and talk about this today that none of this thing, doing any of this thing can win you heaven because Jesus Christ has already won that for you. This isn't about performance and do I get in or do I miss it because I, I, I'm out of peace with someone. I'm not in the right relationship I should be with them or I... You know, whatever. This is not about that. We're saved by grace, not performance. We receive grace. God is for you. He loves you. Uh, so don't leave this place this morning thinking, man, I've really messed up my relationships and God must hate me. That is not true. That's a lie of the enemy. God loves you. He wants you to thrive in your relationships. That's why he writes, uh, gets this stuff right, written down in his Bible. Apostle Paul writing this. Uh, it's that we might live at peace and honor our, honor our Savior with everyone. And we are worshiping him 
when we choose to live this way. That's worship. You understand? That is worship. You talked about, uh, sung about this morning, God's great dance floor. Isn't that awesome? Man, the, the, the talent that we have in this place and that they give it to God and uh, it comes out great up here on the stage. But that's not just worship. Singing this morning isn't just worship. How you do relationship, how you love is worship unto God. So I'm going to give you three phrases here. If you've got an outline, you'll see three uh, double blanks. Is that what you call them? We're going to try and fill them here, okay? But let's talk about love and action for a moment in the first paragraph. And, and these 11 uh, there's 11 phrases here, verses 9 through 13. Love must be sincere. It says love must be genuine. It must be real. You know, there's lots of knockoffs today. You can go and buy stuff. I remember going down to Mexico and going out on the beach and buying uh, uh, sunglasses that looked like, what's a brand? I can't think of my brand now, sunglasses. But, sorry? Okay. Um, I, I didn't quite, I didn't quite hear it, but. Oh, okay, that's, that's lately. That must be a newer brand. I, I don't remember that one. Um, but. You can go out there on the beach there and you can buy all these knockoffs. You can buy knockoffs, uh, Goosey, no, Gucci, whatever it is. You can buy those things, right? Uh, but you know what? This is an interesting little statistic here that I found uh, is that uh, knockoffs really take up a lot of money from true brands. And 2.5% uh, of world trade 460 billion dollars in knockoffs because there's not just knockoff sunglasses there's knockoff motorcycles and all this stuff and uh, but real love is genuine there's no knockoffs it's genuine it comes from the heart and uh, it's a choice it can be romantic but that's not the primary deal with it it's a choice Jesus said, this is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. He was a sincere servant as he came and went and died on the cross. And love is sincere. That is the example. That's the highest example. Then it says, hate evil, cling to what is good. What do we hate? It says, hate evil, cling to what is good. Well, we hate, what we hate is the effects. We saw some of those, those things on, uh, on that screen up there earlier. The influences. We don't hear, hate the people that do the evil. The deeds is what we hate. Jesus told the Pharisee Nicodemus, I did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through me. He didn't come in to judge the world. He does not hate the world. The world, he hates the deeds. He loves people. In fact, uh, one time in the, in the Gospels, he said this, and he, and he, he said this after kind of having a little set to with the Pharisees. He said, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones, those who have been sent to her. I wanted so many times to gather your children around me, like a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. It's the unwillingness of our hearts that takes us into the trouble, that takes us away from God and into evil. But what does it mean for you to cling to what is good in your relationships, to you and to me? Cling to what is good. First of all, I think gratitude is really important. I think we need to be thankful for our relationships, the relationships that God has obviously put in our lives. And uh, I was just thinking, think about this. All the future relationships you still may have, should God give you those years, those future relationships. 
It's interesting. I have three grandchildren. One will be, uh, oh boy, seven this week. Yes, seven. 16th of February. There, see? And I'm thinking about those little kids when they were, you know, first born and held, held, uh, I think one of them had the opportunity to ha hold about a couple days old. But then they've grown up to be, you know, seven, nine, 20 months. And the relationship that you begin to get with those kids, the future relationships that you'll have with them, hopefully as teenagers and maybe into their 20s or whatever. And other people that you meet along the way, people that you meet at church, new people, people that uh, in, at work, people, your neighbors, somebody moves in, new, across the street. Thankful for those relationships, and the deal is that we get to have new relationships ongoing. Isn't that a wonderful thing? In fact, uh, my, my father-in-law, since passed in uh, 2021, uh, he used to say this, and he was, you could talk, and he talked to anybody. He talked to anybody in the grocery line at, store, at the store. Sometimes they'd say, Dad, why, why are you talking to to that person for and you know he's, he didn't just talk about the weather sometimes he'd talk about things that well maybe you know that, that's maybe a little too close to home um, but he used to say that some of your best friends are people you haven't met yet I thought that, that's a really a profound statement isn't it so think about that in fact that is why God leaves us on this planet. You ever think about that? When we, when we receive Jesus as our Savior, why doesn't he just translate us up to heaven? Why doesn't he just do that? He doesn't do it because he wants us to serve others for him. He wants us to cling to that which is good. Now, there's... Everybody isn't good all the time. And that's why we're going to talk about, if it's possible, as far as it is to you, depends on you, live at peace with everyone. But why cling to things that, good, that are good? Um, because as we saw in those pictures, and as we know coming in, you know, whatever went on in your life this week, the wind is blowing fierce, the weather is fierce, and it's trying to take us down. And it'll hit our relationships. And uh, it's hard. The world, our culture, our society is under attack. It kind of—I kind of thought of this idea, this word picture of uh, an ice climber down in Moline Canyon. How many have been down there, in Jasper, and seen those ice climbers up there, down there? Yeah, or maybe or a rock climber, any kind of climber, really. And um, you know. And they're out there, and it's a lot of work. But they enjoy doing it, and, but they, they, and they cling to that rock, and they, or, or to that ice fall, and they dig in their feet, and their, their boots, and those things on the end of the boots, they dig them in, and they hit with the axe, and they cling to that, that, that ice wall. You know, it's, it's physically demanding, it's mentally demanding. It's extreme cold, treacherous ice. <clears throat> I wouldn't want to do it myself. Looks good from below. But uh, they're actually as, you know, it's a sport. They like it. They get a thrill out of it. And they cling to what is good. And are you clinging to what is good? Um, Sometimes we cling to media. We cling to that 24-hour cycle, cycle of news, as we saw a few pictures of that up here. Some of that was news. Um, but it says, be devoted to one another in love. Cherish one another. That's really what this word means. This word devoted means cherishing a friend. Cherishing someone as you would 
a family, a person in your family. The word is kindred. It means kindred, kin. You know that word, kin? Cherish to nurture them through serving. Then it says, honor one another above yourselves. Put others first. How did Jesus put others first? He put others first by leading the way himself to the sacrifice to the cross. He went there for us. Now this word honor, it's an interesting word because uh, it means a word that, it's a word that we don't really use. It means esteem. We don't use esteem in our society as a single word. Well, I'm going to esteem you. What we use is, it ties up with self now. Everybody is talking about their self-esteem. That really isn't, uh, isn't the thing. That really, it isn't about self-esteem. In fact, if you want to work on yourself in, in that area of your life, say, well, I don't have any self-esteem. Uh, they're kind of an oxymoron here. What, we're, what you really need to work on is your self-worth, and the only way you can get that is to look to God and see yourself as valued by Him, and that's what gives you self-worth. Esteem others... But don't look too highly upon yourself, but look to God who defines who you are and the value you are. Um, he died. He valued you so much he died to remove your sin. To, he honored us when he died on the cross. He esteemed us. Then it says, never be lacking in zeal. Have zeal. Well, what is zeal? A lot of... A lot of we think about zeal a lot because in the Bible it talks about zealots and those zealots in the Bible, uh, one, one of whom became one of the disciples, those zealots in the Bible were like they were off base. They were really uh, excited about things, but they were excited about things in the wrong ditch. They were over here when, you know, and they were causing all sorts of trouble. And, and, and that's not what zeal is about. To have zeal means to accomplish. It means to, and then it says, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Not accomplishing, as I said before, to try to win yourself into heaven because you don't have to do that. But, but not lagging behind in diligence, but fervent in spirit and other uh, uh, another version says it's actually to do with laziness zeal it has nothing to do with personality and say well only extroverts have zeal and they look like they have zeal but they don't necessarily always have zeal introverts can have zeal also so it's not anything to do with that personality thing um, Jesus in the garden remember the story he's he, he goes away to pray and he leaves the disciples back over here. And then he comes back and he finds Peter and the, and the lot sleeping. And he says to them, couldn't you keep watch with me for one hour? So the zeal for them was to accomplish this little task that Jesus gave them by being there under that tree or wherever they were praying. Then it says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, um, hopeful. What's hope? It's not wishful thinking. We have a lot of wishful thinking in our world today. Um, but that's not what Christian hope is. You know what Christian hope is? It's, it really is uh, be, being hopeful and being glad to thrive where you are even though you look at the stuff like we saw on the screen this morning. Um, we trust Jesus. We be, we're still, as the song says, we listen for him and be full of joy with hope. Patient in affliction. Uh, you know, it's to be patient in affliction, to not be a patient, but to be patient. Uh, it's in trouble, in distress, in oppression, in pressure. 
As you found out, in relationships, not everything is going to be good. It isn't going to be good. So if you're engaged to be married and you have this idea that, well, we're just going to get married and we're going to ride off into the sunset, like in the old westerns, and everything's going to be fine, it isn't always going to be good. Um, but love in action, sincere love, endures. Uh, it says here to be faithful in prayer. In prayer, pardon me. Faithful in prayer. Give constant attention to prayer. Talking and listening to God. As again, we come back to that last song they did, Be Still. Be still. It's such a busy, busy world around us and it seems like everybody's schedules are getting busier every day. Like you have to make an appointment to see your dog. Something like that. Uh, but it says, share with the Lord's people who are in need and practice hospitality. So this section of scripture, I want to leave you with this phrase. You've been waiting to fill your blanks, maybe. I don't know if you're taking notes. Here's the first phrase. Deliberate demonstration. We're talking here about deliberate demonstration. Intentional. A deliberate demonstration of love. If possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all people. A deliberate demonstration of love. So we're going to move on to the next part of Scripture, which it says, Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay evil, anyone with evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. These scriptures that I've just read for you today contain a whole lot of reactions. Bless, curse, rejoice, mourn, uh, proud or stuffy, you know, that's, that's an reaction. Conceit, revenge, choosing to do right. But I have a question for you. You don't have to answer it out loud. But you can answer it in your own heart and mind. What speaks louder? Words, actions, or reactions? Here it's talking about the reaction to bless someone rather than curse someone. And that word bless, you know, we kind of think it's a religious word. We hear it, you know, uh, Bless me, O oh Father, and things like that. But you know what bless means? It says simply, it means this, simply speak well of. Even after a disagreement. That's a huge thing to do. You know, this idea of agree to disagree and speak well of. That used to be huge, I think, at one time in our society. But now everything is polarized. Everybody's going to sides. Let's just take sides. Curse in the original language in which the scripture was written literally means to pray against. That's what it literally means. And wow, Christians, we have to be careful here. Curse means to wish evil against a person. You say, well, I don't curse. Well, I'm not talking about swearing, and that, that's not great either. And usually you're doing it at someone, so it is, it's not good. And speaking of bless those who persecute you, you know persecute literally means they're coming after you, they want to drive you away. And that's what they did with Paul. They came after him. They drove him away to jail is what they did. And Paul says, and he experienced this, so he can write it to, to us, bless them, speak well of. I think that's a lot to do, you know, with not just our wide open mouths, but I think it has a lot to do with the self-talk that goes on in our heads. And you know that self-talk that goes on in our heads goes 
24-7, 365. They, scientists say that. I didn't, I, I'm not there listening all night uh, to my self-talk, and uh, neither are you. But that runs around and around. So if we put these offenses in our brains, what do you think is going to happen? It becomes, almost becomes part of us. So are you holding a grudge inside your head? Reactions. Reactions may not be, they can be just in here. Are there certain types of people that trigger you to react? Think about that. Are there settings, places that trigger us to react? Ah, I know one. This is a lot of years ago. But my 14-year-old daughter's bedroom, where there was some kind of a mix-up, where the floor was her closet, right? You have one of those? Um, maybe it's words or phrases that trigger you. Here's one. Here, here, here's one. Got to watch this. You're just like your mother. Oh, my goodness. Or you're just like your dad. You young married guys here and gals, erase that from your thoughts. Don't use it. Don't use it. You'll be seeing me in counseling. <laughs> if you do, sometime you will. Um, and, you know, Jesus really talked about these things, uh, about reactions, I mean. And he talked to, talked to, him to in, in the Sermon on the Mount, to the crowd who faced the brutal occupation of Rome. You think, well, you know, there are places in our world that do have that kind of brutal occupation, like North Korea, uh, China, uh, Middle East, India. But he teaches this in the Sermon on the Mount about reactions. He says, you have heard that it, is, it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth and tooth for tooth. But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek. This has been a scripture of conundrum for years and years and years. First of all, this is what needs to be said. Self-defense is in us to protect us. Fight or flight is in us. To return and retaliate and retaliate is not the same. Uh, to return and retaliate is not the same in what Jesus, uh, but, but self-defense. Jesus is saying, I don't want you to react like everyone else. There's a difference. Because I've, I've heard of young guys get beat up, don't defend themselves because they thought they were turning the other cheek. But you know, notice it says here the right cheek. So, if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to them the other cheek also. What this is talking about is the person's slapping you on the right cheek means it's obviously facing you. And so it would be a backhand slap. And in the culture of the day, a backhand slap was a, a sign of disrespect. It's an insult. It was baiting a person. And Jesus says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. So if you had to defend yourself, you defend yourself. But, you know, if this is baiting you on, it says, bless and do not curse. Jesus asks his followers to use and get very good at the craft of the extraordinary, uncommon, unexpected reaction. The art of who in the world would respond like that. Here's another one, Matthew 5, 41. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two miles. So, as I said, the Roman uh, Empire was brutal. Uh, you know, 
someone of stature, a politician, an authority, you know, the mayor, whatever, could come up to you, or a Roman soldier could come up to you and say to a common person, uh, I need you to take something for me, carry something uh, one mile, which was 1.6 kilometers, which was back then 1,000 steps. Did you get your steps in today, by the way? Not yet. You know, everybody talks about getting their steps in, right? Well, there's one way you could get your steps in. But Jesus says, don't go 1,000 steps, go 2,000 steps. Imagine the bylaw officer in your area of town comes up to you and says, hmm, well, I need you to carry something with me or load up your truck and go across the city. And uh, you had to do it. You just had to do it. They could just interrupt you anytime. That would be tough, wouldn't it? See, but Jesus saw conflict and rejection and mistreatment as an opportunity. Remember when they were arresting Jesus and uh, Peter took out his sword? I know it's a fisherman doing with a sword. I don't know. Uh, cutting fish, I guess, before he was a disciple. But he takes out his sword and he chops off the ear of the high priest's servant, Mal Malchus, I think it is. Chops his ear off. And what did Jesus say? Put away that sword. Should I not drink the cup the Father has given me? Then he touched the man, the one-eared man, and he healed him. You wonder what that guy was thinking. wonder what those guards were thinking that were hauling Jesus away. Who reacts in that way? Well, the Savior of the world reacts in that way. Uncommon reaction. Blowing them away. So what opportunities will you face this coming week? What opportunities that you could respond to? Think about in your family. You could respond to in a very different way than maybe you have been responding. Maybe with your neighbors, with your friends, with that person at work, to give an uncommon reaction that everybody's expecting now in our culture. You know what they are. You've been online. You've been on social media. You know what the common reactions are. What about an uncommon reaction? Maybe an uncommon reaction is just not to respond at all, but an uncommon, an uncommon reaction. Because our world, our culture is so divided and so hurt and so offense, taken offense, taken other people's offense. You know, that's worse than taking offense yourself is taking somebody else's offense. That's... That's tough stuff. So in your family, what is the uncommon reaction that you might need to take? How about this? You should, here's some. You should have been so angry and you're not. You forgave her. Jesus said, that's such an opportunity beyond that because you made that reaction a different reaction than you've ever made. You should have hoped he fails and you would, would, have, would celebrate his failure, but you didn't. You celebrated with him. That's such an opportunity. Someone maybe you don't know that well. You gave, you, you gave yourself and you gave God an opportunity to do something to minister into somebody's heart because of your uncommon reaction. Somebody hurt you deeply, but you continued to help them, even though maybe you helped them once before and something went sideways and it hurt you. You helped them again. You continue to. See, Jesus knew this and he taught this. Actions say more than words. Yes, they do. Our actions going out there, helping people, say so much more than words, but our reactions say much more than actions or words. And what do I call this? Um, the next blanks? 
I kind of call this, I, the fill in the bank blanks, courageous cooperation with God's purpose to give opportunity. That's it's courageous to do those things. It's courageous because it's so uh, upstream, swimming upstream like a salmon does. It's really swimming upstream. It says, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. We finally actually got to the scripture that I opened up with. <clears throat> Robert J. Morgan says in a few words, Romans 12, 18 <clears throat> sums up the essence of good relationships. In a few words, 16 words, and in some versions, it's 10 words. As far as it is your part, be, I think that's it, be at, uh, at peace with everyone uh, and is embedded in this scripture that we've been looking at this morning. One of many great relational series of scriptures in the Bible. Here is this one that really is, it catches, it grabs the mind. And you know, if you learn it from heart. Memorize it. You know, you memorize this scripture. First of all, you know how you memorize this, the address of this scripture? Romans 12, 18. <clears throat> well, the war of 1812, right? That's the opposite. So war, peace. So Romans 12, 18, right? And then, but then learn the words too. Uh, and we'd say, that, you know, we often say to the scripture, well, that's impossible, Lord. But put that scripture in your mind, in your heart. It'll help you to, See that it isn't impossible if you meditate on it and some of these other things around it. But with it comes a caution or a warning because this is where you can get off base. It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you. That's the caveat. Sometimes, regardless of our best attempts, we'll, we'll have friendships that go south. There will be bumpy roads in relationships, and you will meet some nasty enemies out there. See, even Paul had a falling out with his best friend Barnabas. It was over a young disciple named John Mark, and there was a number of years that they didn't talk, but if you read on in the Bible, you find out that it came back together. Um, he had a disagreement with Peter and was, it was over a very important matter in the early church. And he said, I opposed him to his face because Peter got off on his doctrine. And it had to do with uh, Gentiles believing in Christ and not having to do certain religious ceremonies. Peter, Peter thought they should, and Paul opposed him to his face. And then there was this guy named Alexander the coppersmith. He said, Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. Here's a tradesman, right? He did the guy a lot of harm. Much harm. And many, many more. And, but here's the thing. If you turn over a few pages in the book of Romans and you come to Romans 16, Paul gives a list almost as long as his arm of his friendships. He writes a very long list commending all of these other people. Hopefully your list will be long like Paul's for you and uh, be shorter the list that... Uh, that you struggle with these people. It further goes on, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Another uh, translation of that line says, don't let evil conquer you, but conquer evil by doing good.
I'm going to do the last two blanks here. It doesn't mean we're quite finished, but I'm going to talk about this. What I see in this scripture, uh, to live at peace with everyone, as far as it is possible and as far as it depends on you, requires, get this, nimble navigation. Well, what are you talking about there, Bob? What I'm saying is we must navigate through our relationships with others carefully. He did that. Paul did it. And he writes about it in these paragraphs and many, many other places in the Bible. But, you know, you say, well, nimble. What kind of a word is that? Nimble navigation. Nimble means to be, you know, you think, well, that's on your toes. That's something about something physical. It's jack be nimble, jack be quick, jack jump over the candlestick. Right? Remember that nursery rhyme? They, they maybe you don't teach that one anymore. Oh, by the way, Jack, your pants are on fire. Um, but nimble is a really good word here. It's talking about quick and light movement, yes, but check the other definition in the, in the, in the, in the dictionary. It says nimble means this, quick to understand, to think, to devise, to be adept, to be alert, to be clever, to be proficient. It's about navigating our relationships where we steer through the difficulties and we maneuver through the hurts and we, the hard feelings and the offenses. If possible, as far as it depends on you, live, with, live in peace with everyone. There was an interesting incident about two years ago. You might remember uh, this cargo ship called the Ever Given contracted to, Ever, to the Evergreen Company to move freight. Suez Canal, March 23rd, 2021. Anybody remember that? It was a big thing in the news at that time. The, 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 the ship, this large cargo ship, 100 feet longer than the width of the canal, got turned sideways and ran aground. It blocked shipping for six days. We say, oh, that's not that bad. Uh, yeah, about 50 ships a day uh, average go through there, and they go through there usually without any problem. They navigate through, but in the end, uh, they said, well, the weather, human error, technical error caused this thing. But you know what that, you know, the company paid? Uh, damages, a, a, a fine. Think, think if you walked up to your car, and, oh, I got a ticket for parking. It's $600 billion. That was the charge for that company because of poor navigation. But for a moment here, think about if we're not careful to do, if possible, what depends on us to navigate our relationships, the cost there is involved. <clears throat> But here's the, here's the neat thing. I, you know, I'm sure that the pilot of that ship, I, I don't know if he got uh, fired. I don't know what happened to the guy. But he was somewhat alone in that. But we're not alone in the navigation of our relationships. Jesus, uh, in, uh, in Psalms, pardon me, David writes, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you, you will be my, you will, you'll be with my, I will counsel you with my loving eye on you. It says in referring back again to that song, be still, be still and know that the Lord is in control. So you're not navigating that canal alone and sometimes relationships can be like a narrow thing and you got to come down the walls uh, of that canal and you don't have a lot of play room you know on either side you can navigate through the difficult times that your relationship challenges and those things maybe you're going through one right now well just know this that God is with you he's for you Just to repeat verse 19 in another, in another, uh, in the message. 
Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to the righteous anger of God for the scripture says, I will take revenge, I will pay them back, says the Lord. God is in control. The reason I cited that scripture again is because it says leave it with him. He is sovereign. Maybe you haven't, haven't got to that place of actually taking revenge in a relationship or being tempted to. But whatever state that relationship is in, leave it with him. Do all you can do and leave it with him. That's what Paul says. Be still and trust. Find rest. Don't strive. Don't carry out that, don't carry that offense or carry somebody else's offense. Forgive and you will be forgiven, Jesus said. In closing this morning, I'm going to go back to this scripture. This is the beginning scripture of Romans chapter 12. It says, therefore I urge you by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable, God, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our mind. That's where it starts. Paul writes this, the beginning of the chapter, and he ends the chapter talking about relationships, talking about um, being able to navigate through them. Being able to, as far as it is unto you, be at peace with everyone. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is. You know, everybody talks about finding will, but we prove the will of God every day as we move throughout our world our relationships and we do what God asks us to do and we live the way God asks us to live we prove the will of God the will of God is right before us that which is good acceptable and perfect that's not three wills that's that working it out working it out in these relationships that which is good acceptable and perfect Present our bodies, that's worship. Like I said earlier today. We come here to worship in the morning, we sing and, and, and you know, we pray. But we also worship as we go amongst our friends and our family and we find peace. In the book of Deuteronomy, the scripture says, today I've given you the choice between life and death. And you know, as we look at the screen today and we look at the news today and we look out around us, we think the struggle is good versus evil. Media and culture uh, kind of show it that way. There's the cosmic power rangers, there's the guardians of the galaxy, there's the superheroes that are fighting the evil for us in all of these fantasies. But you know what? It's already been decided by God, by sending his son Jesus, who won the war, evil does not win. So while we're here, God keeps us here on this earth, whether he takes us uh, by death or he comes back to take us home, choose life. With your words and your actions and your reactions, choose for your family, choose for your friends. Choose for your co-workers. Choose for your church. Let's stand together and pray. Now whether you're here or you're watching online this morning, we've been talking a lot about peace and peace in relationships and things like that. But maybe you need to know the peace that Christ gives in the heart, in your own life. That can only come to you through the Prince of Peace.
can come from nowhere else. You can run after this. You can run after that. You can try to do this. You can try to do that. You can try to improve this. You can try to improve that. But it comes down to this. To know real peace, you must know Jesus. So if you want to know real peace today, pray this little prayer with me. And say, Father, I thank you for Jesus Christ. Lord, I come to you. Thank you for dying on the cross to pay for my sins. I ask you to come into my life and help me to know you, to trust you, and to follow you all my days. And now pray. let's pray together as Christians here you know Jesus, you love Jesus, you want to follow Jesus every day as far as it, as it depends upon us. If possible, live at peace with everyone. Lord, help us to do that. We know it's going to be trials. It's going to be troubles. We're not going to get it right all the time. But Lord, thank you that you've given us your power to live in this world, to help in this world, to help Jesus, help you, Lord, find, help, Jesus, help people find you, Jesus. You've given us a purpose, a purpose to show others the way in our families, in our relationships. Show them the uncommon reaction, the reaction of love. I pray you'd enable us and help us to do this, Lord. I know you will. And Lord, I pray your blessing upon this congregation today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you find this program helpful or would like to learn more, please give us a call, 780-539-0572 or email mail at peopleschurchgp.com.